You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined for the first time ever by Asher Feltman. He is a staff writer for the Texas Legends. He is joining us now. Asher, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate the invite. I'm very humbled by it. Wow. Now I'm humbled that you are humbled by being on this podcast. Hey, man. Thank you. <laughs> so... Today I wrote a, uh, a piece on Mavs Moneyball about Jonathan Motley. Uh, I wanted to just title it hashtag free Motley, but uh, I decided to go with a little more professional route. Is it, When is it time for the Mavericks to free Jonathan Motley? So I'll just give that to you. I'll, I'll pose that question to you, Asher. When is it time for the Mavericks to free Jonathan Motley and bring him up to the big club? Uh, I, As a fan and as a guy who sees him you know, night in and night out, I want to say now, but it's just not realistic unless they want to give him uh, more than the two-way because those things run out. Uh, you've already seen with, uh, see, Clavel, Cleveland, and Collinsworth. Those things are really short-term, and I think the Mavericks are serious about Jonathan Molly, and so I think they want to save his two-way days for the back half of the season when they're clearly not in it as opposed to not being in it, if you take my meaning. Yeah. Um, so I think they really want to hold those days on him and actually give him a look at the end of the year because, you know, as you know, you obviously know, and most of your listeners, I assume know those smart basketball people, they are, it's not games. It's just 45 days period that he's with the team and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. I wrote in the piece today that officially Motley has spent nine days with the Mavericks so far. So that means he has 36 days remaining. Uh, and days outside of the G League season don't count. So like the beginning, the preseason, all that stuff didn't count. So it seemed like he's been there a little bit more than, than nine days, but uh, that's officially how many days he has per the, the Mavericks. And I thought it was an interesting point by you that the, the Mavericks do value Motley because that other two-way spot has been a turnstile, basically. Like they're just bringing in guys all the time. Jalen Jones is now the guy that is occupying that spot. Kyle Collinsworth was there. Like you said, Antonius Cleveland was there. My guy, my guy, Jiverson, Gian Clavel was there. Ah, I, I'm sad that Jiverson is gone. But uh, you know, I don't think he got a fair shot. But yeah. these two, man, not just the Mavericks. These teams are rolling through them. I think they're great because it gives these guys who make absolutely no money in the G League, like they they can make more at McDonald's than they make in the G League. <laughs> I think it's good because it gives them some guaranteed money. But it is you are on thin ice even if you make a good impression, because really Clavel did. Collinsworth had a, a good game. Cleveland had a couple. Um, it's, 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 it's thin ice, man. Like, you, you, get, you get some days, and then unless they're really into you, like you make a Yogi Ferrell-type impression, yeah, they're going to swap you out. And that, that's exactly why these contracts were made. Uh, Larry Kuhn, who's the NBA's you know, premium salary cap expert, who does the sports business classroom every summer, he said that uh, the reason why these 
you know, two-way contracts were made was because of Yogi Ferrell. Teams looked at a guy like Yogi and said, man, the Nets were like, we could have kept that guy around, but we had to get rid of him because of all of our injuries. And we had point guards, but we needed to get, you know, some other things. So we could have kept him around and kept his rights instead of sending him back down to the G League. And then some other team, which is the Mavericks in this case, coming and plucking him away because they had a need. And then all of a sudden he just balls out. And so he calls the, he calls these the Yogi Ferrell contracts, which Yogi found kind of interesting um, when I told him that. But, yeah, these, that's the reason for these deals. What do you think these deals do? Like, we've seen what they do for the Mavs. They just, they, it's an, an opportunity, basically, and Isaac and I have talked about this. It's an opportunity for them to basically have a bunch of 10-day contracts. Like, you know, just have a slew of 10-day contracts all throughout the year. So you're always getting to try some guys out. And the Mavericks obviously value Motley because they have not moved him, you know, like at all. They've they've kind of kept him there. And you keep one guy that you actually value and want to develop, and then you have the other the other spot is just a turnstile of, you know, whoever you can get in. Maybe you have a, a you know immediate need that you can fill where it was like Collinsworth or Antonius Cleveland. And Cleveland played a lot of minutes. I think the Mavericks really liked him. If he hadn't gotten injured, he might still be, you know, on that two way or maybe even had filled Jeff Withey's spot with that. Um, with with a you know a standard contract at that point, but uh, what do you think this do, these two way contracts do for like the Texas Legends? Like, what does it do for a team where just Legends team like the G League teams do have guys coming through all the time? But this is, I mean, this is a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So the G League, um, and I told you this before we went live that I don't think the G League gets nearly enough credit and attention. This year has been better because of the Gatorade rebranding. It's obviously not the D League anymore. It's the G League. And have uh, I said D League? Did I say that? No, no. I think you, you said G League. Okay, good. Because I've caught myself a couple times this year being like the D League, and it's still actually in. Uh, I mentioned Larry Coon. He has that uh, CBA FAQ that's you know pretty famous, and everybody reads it to learn the salary cap. It's it still says D League in that, and I wonder if it still says that in the uh, <laughs> like no, the collective bargaining agreement. G League no hyphen, and it's throwing everybody for, wait there's uh, no hyphen there's no hyphen anymore wow i've screwed that up a lot they got rid of it they can the hyphen and it's it's been anyway uh so <laughs> yeah. you blew my mind with that one i know right no hyphen no hyphen Dang. uh so yeah i think the big thing the gatorade rebranding has obviously given it a lot more attention but it hasn't been i just the nba doesn't market the g league and that's a separate thing for me so don't get me don't get me going on that but anyway <laughs> as for the two-way contracts yeah. Uh, it's been a godsend for the league's image and um, notor- just reputation because so many of these guys are great players and they never get seen. With a two-way contract, it keeps fans involved. Now fans are like, okay, which one of these guys is on a two-way uh, that I can watch or which one of these guys is doing really well? Like, you know, the legends have a couple guys, Jimmy O'Warney, Brandon Ashley, Donald Sloan, who could any day get a two-way yeah. Uh, and then they also have obviously Motley, who's on a two-way. So it, it it gives them more attention from the NBA fans' perspective because the NBA has a gazillion fans, and if they would just market the G League a little better, I think they could uh, reflect some of that attention down there because these guys can really ball. Yeah, I, I, it's it's sort of interesting because you you pique the interest when they're in the NBA. You get these guys that come up for these you know, 10 day contracts or whatever. If you want, I, I keep calling them 10 day contracts because you know, they're kind of like just this short stint. They come up for these short, these short stints in the NBA. And then you introduce them to the, the casual fan or to, you know, to a guy like me that's actually covering the team. And then they send it back down to the G league and you're like, Oh, now I actually have vested interest in this team and it's actually, you know, go and watch it. Uh, 
interesting that you say that the G League doesn't get enough attention. Give me like, I don't know, give me your take, maybe a 30-second thing where you convince some of our listeners that they need to go to a G League Texas Legends game. So I'll pose you a question. Would you rather watch a defensive show, like a 75-75 NBA game, or a 130-130 game? You're asking me, would I rather have Cavs Warriors in the finals or Pistons Spurs in the finals in 2004? That's what you're asking right now. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what I'm asking. Yeah. And I I love me some defense, but these G League games, there's no defense. They they tried, but the, the games are essentially designed just to be up and down at a ridiculous pace and... I don't know why fans haven't embraced that more because it's really fun and it's constant scoring and action. There you go. The pace. Also, there's a little bit of a, of a carnival element. So if you've got kids, if you're listening right now and you've got kids, Asher, tell them what they can experience when they're at these Texas Legends games. Well, so not um, – this is just exclusive to the Legends. Uh, if you want to go see a Santa Cruz or a uh, Memphis Hustle game, you won't get these amenities. So drive on down to Frisco or if you're already here – and you're a Mavericks fan, which I assume most of the listeners are. Uh, a lot Legends. of a lot of overseas listeners, to be to be honest. A lot of people. Shout out to Trinidad and Tobago. You guys somehow keep showing up. I hear this is the number <laughs> one podcast in Germany. Is that true? Do you know that? No, I made it up. But <laughs> it Maxi, could, it could be. It's, I know. Anyway, uh, locked on Mavs tops the charts consistently in Würzburg. But yeah, so the Legends games. And it, it it really it, it puts a lot of butts in the seats. I'm not in love with it because I think sometimes it defects from the uh, the players, yeah. which should be the main attraction. But they do have some really awesome stuff. Like on on the ground level, they have the kids play zone with this generous George guy who's always got games going, and then they have like these massive carnival like slides right in front, right behind the gift shop. It really is pretty cool. And if I was allowed to ride them, I would, but I can't. So I can't give you firsthand experience how awesome. <laughs> is it like are. a height requirement thing, or is it an age thing, or is it just because you're working? I, I try to look professional. I try really hard. Uh, I, I look like a 16 year old, you know, super fan recording these guys for my little blog on Blogspot. But <laughs> I'm actually, you know, a credentialed media member, so I try to act professionals. And also, these lines are insane because these kids are like all about it. Uh, and then on the concourse level, they have you know like uh, more traditional, smaller call- carnival games and. I really like they have this thing that you can like measure yourself up to Dirk and like see how your jump shot form. Um, I think it's Raytheon is the sponsor of it. If not, then that'll dock for my pay. But <laughs> they, they always have a really fun atmosphere. And a lot of people do come for the basketball, but you kind of the kids get let loose and it's really entertaining. Interesting. Isn't there like a giant alligator too? like a giant blow up alligator? That's what I see when I watch games. Yeah, so in uh, I forget which is north and south because I'm horrible at that kind of stuff. Nah, who um, knows? In one side of the end zone, let's say uh, on the end with the gift shop. That's that's where that's where it is. There's always one or two massive blow up things, and the biggest one is usually lately it's been the alligator. Uh, sometimes it's like a bounce house or a slide. Like I said, I wish I could partake, but I just it's not a good look. <laughs> Not a good look, and you'd you'd rather do without them, but I feel like it's definitely fun for kids because I watch some of these Mavs games, and these kids are like, let me go walk around and <laughs> like just leave my seat because I'm just jumping all over the place. And right, and you know the parents. Rangers at, in their new park are basically going to have a, a kid zone and all the places. I think, yeah. I think the Legends, 
they don't get enough attention because they're a G League team, but they're ahead of the curve in so many ways. And part of that is because they have their own ownership group. They're not run by an NBA parent club. They have like their own staff members that are making creative decisions. And it shows like in attendance numbers and fan responsiveness and just game atmosphere. It shows. So you mentioned earlier about the pace. Uh, and we set out at the beginning of this podcast to talk about Jonathan Motley. How much do you think the pace in the G League has helped him in this these crazy video game numbers that he's putting up? I mean, he he's averaging over 20 points a game, which he's in the top 10 in, in points. He's the second, I think, overall in rebounds per game. I mean, he's averaging almost four offensive rebounds per game. Uh, he's a steal and a block per game, which only eight players in the G League is doing that right now. Uh, how much has the pace like helped him become you know such this stat crazy person this is that is exactly the reason that the mavericks aren't you know clamoring to bring him up and saying oh my god look at these numbers because the pace definitely uh inflates numbers and as i said it's should be a selling point because it's a lot of fun but it also you know tempers your expectations statistically i would trick a 20 and 10 game in the g league i would maybe put it like 15 and 7 15 and 8 interesting which which is still good but they play at such a frantic pace that these numbers just pile up. And another thing with Mott is there aren't a lot of talented 6'10 and higher guys in the G League because they'll probably be in the NBA. And if he wasn't on a two-way, he would be probably he would probably be on a guaranteed uh, contract with the team in the NBA. But the Mavericks uh, they found something here and they wanna they wanna cherish it and it's their right to keep him down um, in the G League until they need to bring him up. But uh, it, it definitely has an effect on his numbers. He's a great player, and he he's done everything he needs to deserve a call-up, but those numbers are uh, inflated by the pace of the G League. For somebody that has never watched Jonathan Motley or someone that doesn't doesn't have the opportunity, now the, the games are all streamed on Facebook, so you definitely have the opportunity to, but let's say they're in some country where Facebook is blocked. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But let's say someone has not been able to watch Jonathan Motley at all. What would you say is his calling card? What makes him a good player, like you say? Uh, with big men, uh, there's always one thing that I look at because there are so many big men uh, in the basketball world that cannot do this. He has good hands. I, I think it's hmm. a huge trait for a big guy. He plays with a lot of really good guards on the Legends like uh, Sloan and Wade Baldwin and Justin yeah. Denton, who consistently get him the ball, but they want to get him the ball. They always talk about getting Motley and Jameel the ball because as big guys around the basket, they have excellent touch. Uh, Jonathan's obviously uh, a great defender, too. He can body up and he can block shots, but I'm really impressed with his finesse and his skill down low in the paint. I know it's it's going to be an adjustment when he gets to the NBA level because nothing compares to that. Not the G League, not the you know Premier Overseas League. Nothing compares to the NBA level. But he has really good hands and a touch in the paint, and I think that's going to benefit him long term. Yeah, and he has these crazy, you know, he has these crazy long arms. He's six foot nine, and he has a seven foot four wingspan. And when you watch him, his arms just kind of like flail all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's sort of just hard to contain them. But you see, you see it in these dunks. You see it in these rebounds he grabs. You see it in these steals and blocks he gets that guys don't expect it. They all of a sudden like there's this arm just in your face. <laughs> Because Jonathan Motley just has this this arm span that uh, that you just don't really expect at that point. Uh, to me, I haven't seen him be as as explosive of an athlete as I expected him. Uh, but I think his frame really helps him get over the hump in that in that regard. Like he gets stuff done, and he's sort of 
in a weird way in that sense. He's obviously not as big or as strong or as skilled as this guy, but in a way he's kind of like like Dwight Howard to me, I want to say, because Dwight Howard isn't, you know, seven foot. He's like six nine, six ten, but he has such long arms. And he he was more explosive than Motley is at this point, but but uh, he kind of he gets away with a lot of stuff because of that that arm sp- that wingspan just helps him out so much. Yeah, Mott doesn't really go zero to sixty, but he goes from like zero to twenty at the rim in a in a second. Like he'll he'll jam it when he gets up there, but uh, his size does show. Uh, I I call him six ten rather than six nine. It sounds so much better. <laughs> it does sound I, a lot I better. I truly believe he's six ten. He's he's a really big dude. Like you said, it's those arms too that just make him so long it makes him a sneaky on ball defender because yeah uh he's not super quick but he's got good basketball instincts and he can really he won't be guarding guards in the nba but if he's forced to switch on a screen i feel like he's smart and athletic enough to to be a sneaky defender with those arms yeah definitely a a sneaky defender one thing i i've really noticed with him and just some of the games that i've watched is for him a lot of these plays that he either connects on these highlight plays. It's like an all-or-nothing play, and he just seems really like an all-or-nothing player. He's either going to drive into the lane or drive from the from the foul line to the basket and get a real easy bucket, a, you know, maybe a difficult bucket, or just nothing at all. It's It really seems like he's an all-or-nothing. Is that a true statement, or do you think that is a false statement? I think it's accurate. I'd say as good as his hands are, you know, as I just harped on very recently – he doesn't really have a developed post game, and obviously he's a rookie. He's very young. He was undrafted mainly because of his injuries, but also because he's he's really raw. Yeah. But he's but he's he's raw, but he's also explosive. And uh, t- to answer your question, I I think that's a good point that he's all or nothing because just the lack of a uh, post game down low doesn't really leave him a lot of wiggle room to, you know dot the eyes and color the T's on yeah. offense. It's yeah, he's a cool. he's a guy that like he has one option. You know, that, that I looked I was uh watching his draft express like weaknesses and strengths and one of the big weaknesses was that he misses a lot of real open passes. He just has this tunnel vision where he's just going to do one thing and if that one thing doesn't work, he doesn't really have a second thing unless he gets the offensive rebound and just puts it back like you know, just a simple thing like that. He doesn't really have a second option when he tries to like either attack or defend somebody. Right, and in the G League, that's going to work for him because of how good he is already and how ahead of the competition of other big men he is already. He has his holes in his game, obviously, especially um, offensively in a, in a you know face-up. But right. he's an, he's a really, really great, one of the best offensive rebounders I see, I've seen come through uh, the Legends or the G League. I mean, and he, he has a genuine passion for offensive rebounding. He, he prefers it to defensive rounding, which... You know, isn't all that uncommon, but he loves to see shots go up and just predict where they're going to be and get it and then dunk it back. And he's really good at that. And that's going to serve him well because I don't think he could uh, handle, you know, a 20 minute load in the NBA right now just because of how raw he still is. Yeah. But he's got some really, really uh, prevailing strengths like offensive rebounding, uh, hands, and explosive dunking and capable defensive ability that, you know, could give him some time. But that's a different issue because there is not really time in the Mavericks rotation right now. Man, you you talk about explosive dunking. That game the other night against the the Memphis Hustle. Good lord, I saw you tweeted out. I saw you know the G League tweeted out. A whole bunch of other people. I posted it on the uh, the article that I I wrote about him. That 
man, he threw he threw down this dunk right in this guy's face. Right. Oh, I try to be economical about my tweets. Uh, it's something I learned from overtweeting as a like you know young twenty year old. But I was watching that one and I was like, ooh, I like got out of my chair. <laughs> that 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 one got me really excited. I, and he you know he he came from like almost the three point line. It's like one two step, throw it on your face. I mean, yes. He he's it's very beautiful. It's uh. It's it's gazelle like, and then he just at the end he just turns into like a fierce tiger. <laughs> well, gazelle they also have horns too, so you got to watch out for that. That's that's where you're they're, right, they're going to stick right. you. Uh, Nobody gives gazelles the benefit of the doubt they, beyond like the length. No, it's just the the running ability, the leaping ability, and that's it. And they don't. They, right. I take it back. No tiger, just full on gazelle. <laughs> gazelles can finish the job. Yes. The. Uh, so there is this type of antelope, which is basically a gazelle. They're basically the same thing. They're, they're, they're African deer. So there's this type of antelope that is in Mongolia that is going extinct. It's like very endangered. It's S-A-I-G-A antelope. I don't even know how to say that. Saiga? Saiga? I don't know. Go, everybody right now, go Google a Saiga. Asher, right now as we're doing this, Google Saiga, Saiga antelope, and just look at that thing. I found it today, random. I don't know how I found this random. Oh, my wife showed it to me last night, and I did not believe that that was an animal. It just did not look like something that was real at all. It has the body of an antelope, the horns of an antelope, but it has the nose of a walrus. It looks like something out of Star Wars. It is just the weirdest thing. Anyway, we've. Talked that with. actually, I, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked it's with. Like a, it's like a very furry zazu from Lion King. Or the 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 face, the face looks like uh, Watu from Star Wars. The uh, the guy that owned Anakin and his mom. <laughs> oh, uh, Watto. Right. That's what the, that's what the face looks like, and then the rest of the body is a antelope. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I actually, that's a, that's that's a nice comp. Yeah. What a what an underrated character. What a caring underrated character. <laughs> oh man, don't get me started. I love Phantom Menace. It was uh, I was me nine. Too. I was nine years old when it came out, so it just hit me. It hit me right in my sweet spot of, of growing up and you know loving Star Wars. Yeah. Well, hey, in my Twitter bio it says prequel apologist, so y- you know you're talking to a guy who loves the prequels here. And I. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All three. All three. So, I won't defend Jar Jar, though, but anyway, continue. Uh, what do you um, what do you think about Jameel Warney? Let's get off of Motley now. He has, again, so we talked about Motley. He has he spent nine days with the Mavericks. He has 36 days remaining. I believe he will start back with the Mavericks on February 17th, and he will play the rest of the season for the Mavericks. Okay. He will play the final 24 games with the Mavericks. Uh, that means he'll miss the end of the, the, uh, the G League season. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. Uh, I'm sure Jonathan would prefer to be up there sooner, but once those days are up, they got a decision to make. And I think, you know, people are looking at the Mavericks not calling him up as like a, a lack of faith or belief, but it's the exact opposite. There's not really minutes for him right now. Yeah, um, you got to play Dwight Powell because he's been okay and he has that big contract, and you just got to play him. Uh, Rick's rookie crush is clearly Maxi. <laughs> Nerlens is MIA, and then you've got Dirk and. Salah so there's just not really enough minutes for him right now and what he would play isn't worth using those days and the Mavericks want to save those days so I think that that sounds accurate so that's when I think Jonathan Motley will play my next question and one of my last ones is 
is Jameel Warney ever going to get a chance in the NBA? Isaac and I, Isaac more than me, just loves Jameel Warney so much and wants to see him get a chance. He went and played, you know, FIBA this this summer, was named, you know, the FIBA, you know, basketball player of the year for, you know, for the United States. And he just doesn't seem to have gotten a chance from anybody, like not a 10-day, not a, you know, not a two-way, not even just, it doesn't even seem like he's getting a sniff. No, it's really strange. I mean, you know, talk about a guy who's done everything he needs to do in the G League. And that's the one thing G Leaguers, you know, talk about most of all is persevering, you know, until they get that phone call. Um, Jamil's done everything. He, he didn't just go to FIBA. He won an MVP. Yeah, he, yeah that's you know, true. I undersold that somehow. <laughs> he went and won an MVP. Gosh. I mean, and these – and so FIBA is basically a bunch of studs from European leagues and then G Leaguers. And – he bested all of them. I mean, he was incredible every single game in that tournament. I think there were like six or seven. At the end of the day, he's a six nine big man. It, and is he six nine though? You, you've been around him more than I have. Uh, well, I'm like five five, so everybody's six nine to me at least. <laughs> I, That's funny. That's me. I, I'm six three, and uh, so when I like when people ask me, they're like, "Is Dennis Smith Jr. really six three? I'm like, "Yes, I am six three, and I stand next to him, and we're the same height. Uh, but was Steve Nash 6'3"? Oh, I don't know. I haven't met Steve Nash yet. I would uh, like to. Steve, Steve, if you're listening, reach out. My DMs are open. <laughs> uh, so, Jamil, if if Motley is closer to 6'10", like I said, I'm giving him the 6'10". Right. Jamil's probably closer to 6'8". Okay. And if Jamil was 6'9", or 6'10", or a guaranteed 6'9", he'd be in the NBA right now because he's done everything and more that he's needed to do. And really that's all you can say i mean he's won fiba america bp so add that on top of his stellar g league double double a night stats um he's working on a three and it's coming along nicely so is motley by the way he says it's the one thing he wants to work on above everything else everybody Uh, wants to add a three i know and and these guys are not you know stupid they realize that today in the nba you need it and even as a big man but jameel is He's he's such a great '90s NBA player because he is so tough downstairs or not downstairs in the paint. <laughs> he's so he's that was so a short tough. joke. That was definitely a short joke that you just right made right. Just sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jamil, you're listening. Which and I love Jamil. He's like the nicest guy. Him and CJ Williams are like my bros for life. And CJ's doing great until he got hurt. Oh, how about the, yeah? How about CJ playing for the Clippers? And he was in FIBA this summer with Jamil. Right. And I don't know if you've caught just Jeff Van Gundy on one of his national TV games. Yes, yep, he, he brings perfect, it up all the time. <laughs> perfect. No, he's the perfect advocate for the G League because he's brutally honest. He says, I didn't know. I didn't watch any games. I didn't know what the hell was going yep. on in the G League. And then I coached these guys, and now I'm like, holy crap, these guys are really good. And the one guy he cannot stop bringing up, it, well, besides Jameel, Reggie Hearn, who just got a two-way, mm. and Jameel. So it's really – Somebody's got to give him a shot because you won't you won't know if he okay say he gets a, a, a two way and just cannot do anything in the NBA then I guess you know but until you know he he deserves a shot and these two ways you, to be with the Mavericks interesting and in these two ways you've seen them just cut the player just you know straight up like like Jan Clavel was definitely not up with his days I don't think and then no, all of a sudden he, he was he just was done. using them up quickly and was playing well yeah and then it's. Like either as soon as they were up, or I, th- I don't, I don't think that he used all of them, but he was gone just right away. <laughs> you know, we've seen with uh, right. 
with Collinsworth. Like he was on a two way and then all of a sudden it was a, you know, he was gone and it was 10 day again, you know, like that you can, yeah. you can cut a two way whenever you want, but and, yeah. You know, guarantee, guaranteeing a guy, you know, <clears throat> half a million dollars in the NBA is like, you know, getting them a large fries instead of a medium fries. It, it's nothing to NBA teams. So they're perfectly willing to swap these guys in and out. Yeah. But he's got he's got to get one. He'll get one by the end of the year, but he's got to get one just to see what he's like cuz he's a great locker room guy and at the very least uh you know depend regardless of how he does on the court, he's going to be a positive presence in a locker room just like CJ is with the Clippers. And you know, I really like Motley's hands. Jameel has guard hands. Jameel is silky mm. smooth, man. If Jameel ends up on the Spurs, I'm just going to throw things everywhere. And it's actually a good fit for him because the Spurs are kind of a mess. They just kind of rotate. I don't, I don't even know what's happened to their roster. Uh, well, I can. I guess they had guys retire and they can't sign any big free agents except you know Rudy Gay and Powell. And but there's a spot for that team for Jamil. There's a spot on a lot of teams for a lot of G League players. It's just a matter of opportunity. Just like you know, being in sports journalism, I mean, it's, we got to find that you know <laughs> crack and hey, make I'm the there. best of it. I'm there. I'm looking for the crack, man. I'm looking for it. Yeah, find the crack. I'm trying to find it. Um, all right. Do you want to give any do you have any takes on the Mavericks right now that need to be heard by the people? Um, well, nothing I say really needs to be heard. Oh, oh sure it does. Well, my dad told me that from like day 1. He was like, "Don't think your opinion is important to anybody." Wow. My dad told me the exact opposite, so I don't know what that means about our, our about Okay, our my dad didn't really say that, but I uh <laughs> There are so many hot Mavs opinions out there. I will say that uh, I've been on Team Tank since 2015. Wow, early. Yeah, I, I was actually on Team Trade Dirk. And that didn't get me very... Wait, hold, Asher, hold on. I think, yeah. I think something's up with the phone because I don't think that you just said that. I think I did. Oh my gosh, what... Dirk is my Dirk is obviously all of our childhood heroes because not only is he a star player, he's like the guy. Like he's such a great dude. Uh, but I can't believe I, I just let you on this podcast for as long I know, as I did before I know, knowing that you wanted to trade Dirk. Okay, give me give me your five minute. Now maybe this isn't what you think now, but give me your like rationale for wanting to trade Dirk. Well, it's not. It's what I think now. It's what I've thunk since 2014. You still think this? You still think the Mavericks should do it now? Well, now it's a not it's a lost cause because what the hell are you going to get for him? I but know. I would have traded him. Let's see, 2014 after the Rondo thing failed, I wouldn't have gone after DeAndre because I never thought we were going to get him, and we almost got him because he has, you know, his own issues. But he had no business coming here. Neither did Conley. Neither did Whiteside. Neither did Chris Paul. Neither did Darren Williams. Neither did Dwight Howard. I would have traded Dirk for as much as you could get for him because he was still really great at 37. You know. Yeah. Like he, he was, I mean, just put a, a look, look what he made Monte Ellis. I mean, Monte is not even in a league now and he made Monte like an all-star caliber player just by playing off of him. I would have traded Dirk before it was too late and gotten a, uh, a lion share for him and started the rebuild there instead of teetering around the seven, eight seed spot and trying to win with, you know, Darren Williams volume 2.0, 8.0 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Zaza, I would have scrapped it right there and started drafting, uh, listening to Donnie Nelson and just started building from there. Cause you know, as of say last year, you're going to maybe get a late first for Dirk, but when he was 37, you're talking about, uh, you know, a potential lottery pick and more. So I would have done it then. 
just can't bring myself to agree with you on that. Just can't. I the ra- the rationale that. makes sense, but there all, all the all the like if this was a game of Monopoly, it would make sense, but it's not. And just the Mavericks, obviously, they didn't do it. They would never do it. It just wouldn't. Like no, you, they would never do it. Someone would call. Like let's say the Warriors when that was a thing. We're like, all right, we're gonna trade you something for Dirk. The Mavericks would just like hang up the phone. <laughs> Right. No, it's true. And I bet Cuban hung up that phone a lot of times, but you don't win in sports as general manager with your heart. You win with your brain. And Cuban tried to play with his heart and uh, look where we are now. Thankfully, finally, we we were so bad that we really had no choice to rebuild and we got Dennis Smith Jr. But I look back at some of those drafts and really it all started with turning Antetokounmpo into Schroeder, into Olenek, into Shane Larkin. So I guess they're, if, if you're going to do that, then you might as well not rebuild. But that was the they, that was the saddest game of let's turn this into this and this into this and asset management you've that right has they, ever been they had. get to Shane Larkin and they're calling teams to try to keep trading down they're like you don't want Shane Larkin like <laughs> oh man no and I mean this, he's playing fine I guess on the Celtics now but he's a nothing they they Barry Larkin was the best part of having Shane Larkin <laughs> as a uh, as a former Cincinnati and I. Uh, I appreciate that. Hey, yeah, for sure. Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Barry Larkin was great. All right, Asher Feltman, thank you so much. We can read you on Text Legends. It's it's not TexasLegends.com. It's just Text Legends. I don't know what it is. By the way, Texas Legends. (laughs) We can read you there. Uh, What is your Twitter handle? It is my name, at Asher Feltman. That's super easy. There you go. Straight up at his name. Go follow him uh, and get your good G League G not dash league, just regular G league action. G space league. There's a space. There is a space. Oh my yes, gosh. Yes, but oh no hyphen, no dash. That's so weird. It's it takes some getting used to, but I'm used to it. Okay. They didn't they didn't want the dash anymore. That's Asher, good job. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. All right. Peace out. Boom.